Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hotcast. I am your host, Chicago Fire Editor and Managing Editor for Hot Time and Ultimate Rubitation. Joining me, as always, is RJ. RJ, what the hell was that last night? That's the $10 million question. That's why I pay you the big bucks. Which is $0, because I also get $0 from this podcast. So it doesn't make sense. Um, but yes, it was bad. Like, actual bad. Um, and that's really the first stinker from opening whistle to closing whistle that we've had in a long time atlanta um yeah that was a long time ago was that that was hold on it was like six six seven games ago no may 7th yeah shoot yeah it's a long time since since there's been an actual stinker so uh what uh what the hell, RJ? Look, I I don't know. I really don't know. I I will say though, um NYCFC, like jokes aside, they're a good team, especially their midfield. And I think um just as a just as a disclaimer, I didn't watch this game live. I have I watched it twice, so once last night, once this morning. But um if NYC's midfield, if the fire could have broken that down, then I think things would have been a little bit more different. I, I think mm-hmm. at best it would have been a draw. At worst, it would have been just a 1-0 loss. But I don't I don't know if you saw, but um I'm, I'm trying to remember their names right now. Um their defensive mids, NYCFC, or at least the defensive part of their midfield, is something that the Flyers should strive to aim for. And they have those players in, you know, Gaston Jimenez, Pineda. Well, they and, don't have Gaston Jimenez. Well, you know what I mean. But... Maybe that was the problem. I could but, go for mm-hmm. a while about how Gaston Jimenez is actually really important to the squad and maybe his designated player contract. Uh, And the reason they kept him is because they couldn't find anybody who is as important. But you get what I'm saying, right? I mean, I I know this is an NYCFC podcast. I'm pretty sure there's like one of them out there somewhere, but um, you know, the fire tried going down that middle and Oh, I mean, I wrote, I wrote the names somewhere over here. Uh, Nicholas um, uh, Acevedo, Acevedo and, and Hack. Justin Hack. Hawk, Hack. Um, you know, the fire <laughs> couldn't break that. And uh, and that's something the fire should strive to have. That's what good teams have. They have a rock-solid defense, not only in the back, but in the midfield. And the the what I'm trying to say is, you know, what we saw from NYCFC should be the fire because the fire have those players, but it was just a role reversal. 
Um, I wrote about this in the recap, and we'll probably do some more on how poor Shakiri's performance was during the week, if only because it was so surprising to me to see him revert back to pre-international break Shakiri. Um, he just wasn't around. And when he was, it was bad. Uh, the first goal the fire scored, uh, the fire scored, the fire gave up, was entirely his fault. Uh, oh, when he was just wandering around? He, he wasn't even wandering. He just stood there and watched it unfold in front of him when he could have done something about it. Yes. The runner came from his blind spot, but once you see, uh, once you see Pereira run in front of you, you have to follow that run, and if not deny him the space, make it difficult for the guy. Because um, if you, I've watched that play maybe, maybe three dozen times. And every time I just notice something worse um, from Shakiri because the fire defenders, the back line plus uh, Pineda and Fade, were essentially in the spots they should have been in uh, to defend all of the obvious plays. Uh, they were well prepared to deal with a cross in. They were well prepared for the ball to come back out and cycle through. Uh, you saw Sekulic at the end there trying to close down as best he could. And Mueller. And, and Chris Mueller. Um, because they were in spots to where they could do that and do it successfully if there was some disruption. The fact of the matter is... That's on Shakiri to disrupt the run, maybe delay the shot by getting back. Uh, because if he's running at full speed, there's no way you get an uncontested shot like that off. Because what, he's a step and a half, two steps behind him and can can at least make Pereira think twice. Uh, about shooting and maybe think about doing a cutback, which would cut him right back into um, Sekulic and, and Mueller, um, ruining the, the shooting opportunity. Or he could, you know, rush his shot and shoot it high or shoot it wide. Um, but no, Shakiri just kind of stood there, let the run made, get made, and, and the goal scored. And I... Hope that uh, in team meetings this week, uh, when they do film session, uh, he gets roasted by the coaching staff because he absolutely deserves to get roasted by the coaching staff on that. Well, I, I also do want to point out, though, I mean, yes, Shakiri was the biggest bum of the night and he was the biggest bum of that moment as well. But, um, you know, looking at my notes that I've actually... Uh, have prepared right now. I mean, yes, um, Sekulich, Mueller, and I think Pineda were in their correct positions, but also, you know, there was Shahiri. And then right to the top right 
of Shakiri could be wrong right now, to the top right of Shakiri, there was also Hayo Torres. And Torres really didn't do nothing as well. Yes, he was in a less more prime position than Shakiri, but he could have made that run. But again. So, so I give Torres a pass here because if you watch the play, what Torres does is he closes down the entry and then turns and gets ready to receive a clearance which is what I think he's supposed to do in that situation anyway. Like, his defensive assignment is to close on the entry pass. The entry pass gets made into the corner, and then he's supposed to turn around and get ready to receive the clearance and then go on a counterattack. So I think that um, Torres is probably, of, of the two, Shakiri and Torres, yes, Torres could have made the run once he saw uh Shakiri not make the run but frankly from his position close to the midfield line it wouldn't have mattered if he did anyway because he wouldn't have got there in time to make a play regardless I mean, that, that would have disrupted play at least and he and he is a pacey little guy I mean I, guess. I, I, I see what you're saying but like in in that situation his assignment is to get ready to to be the fulcrum of a counterattack. so I th- I think that in, in that specific situation, um, he he was fine because we know y- you see it. He's not afraid to track back and play defense. Um, but if everything goes right, if Shakiri makes that run, I think and, and clears the ball and they clears the ball and disrupts it properly. Shakiri and Shabilko are in a two on two in on goal. So I I honestly think that Jairo Torres made the correct play there, if that makes any sense. It does, but you know, if he wants that move to Europe, he also needs to read a field a little bit better as well. He needs to make those you know last moment decisions. And I mean, sure. Um, but like I said, it. it, it his offense compared to Shakiri's is incredibly minor. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not really gonna gonna dwell a whole lot on it. That's why I said, you know, Shakiri is the biggest bomb of the night, but you know, there there are these small little pockets that you still need to analyze and look at. Sure. Um so. some other stuff. I actually thought Mauricio Pineda played pretty poorly. Uh, I thought, despite foot mob only having him with like one turnover the game, I thought he made a lot of mistakes in midfield, both on the ball and with his spacing. Uh, the spacing was terrible the entire night from essentially everybody. So I don't really mean to pick on Pineda about spacing. Um, but, you know, his passing decisions weren't great. Um, I think that he he could have made safer decisions some at some point to keep the ball i just i don't think he had a really good game and i think you could tell he knew he wasn't having a really good game uh, nobody really had a good game um really except for gaga slonina who had three really good saves and um, his distribution was okay, and like he couldn't really do anything about those two goals anyway that they scored. Um, but w- what did you think of Pineda's performance? 
And as a whole, why do you think the midfield failed to take control of the game? Well, with I like what you said. I mean, um, Pineda knew he wasn't having a good game from the get-go. He wasn't having a good game. I think he's, you know, he can excel in that role, but obviously it's wearing him out. And I think, you know, this is where I'm going off, you know, topic right here, but you know, let me just briefly say this is this is what happens when you lack squad depth. But anyway, regardless about that, um, no, going I think back... that's an important point. But I think yeah, the lack I mean... of squad depth is a very important point, and, and part of the reason why we're starting to see them tire a bit. Um, yeah, but um, I agree with you. Going to your other point and why the midfield, I mean, that also breaks in with my point earlier when I was praising NYC's midfield when. You know their midfield was hard to break down. I mean the midfield. Are, I mean, the one good thing about the fire, with an exception of a few players, um, they know how to go forward. They know how to backtrack. Um, this NYCFC team is good, as much as it pains me to say that, because you know, this NYCFC team is good. It is hard to break down that team. That that loss they had against Charlotte the other week. That was an outlier. It really they was. lost. Their, you say that, but they lost their last three, three games. Ga- three games, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, every every good team has that poor run of form. But regardless, NYCFC is still a good team, and the Fire just failed to break down their midfield. And I think that midfield was essential, you know, in this game. And like I said earlier, I mean. If if the fire could have made any inroads, and you know, at best it would have been a tie. At worst, it just you know would have been a one 0 loss. I don't count that other goal, by the way. We're, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But um, uh, the the quality of the you know of the midfield was still there, but like what we said earlier, everyone was just fatigued. This is the squad just breaking down right now because of the lack of squad depth. It's like chess, right? You have to, if you want to control the board and control the game, you control the middle of the chessboard. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what uh, NYCFC did. Is They have their midfield three in there and um, didn't let really let the fire have any space to work. I think the uh, John Duran sub came in too late. I think that sub should have been made at halftime. Um, I also think that, um, Gutierrez probably should have also come in. I, I, I like, I think they should have taken Shakiri off after the goal, the, the, you know, 20 minutes in or whatever, give him an extra five minutes to see if he can redeem himself and if he can't pull him out. Um, because he just wasn't having it. And while Gutierrez did come in the game, he didn't really do a whole lot. Largely because at that point it was basically fait accompli. And, and both teams, it looked like, were just sort of waiting for the final whistle. This uh, is this is what I fear, though. Because the previous seasons, we were talking about how you can't bench Calvo because he's your captain. I'm fearing the same mentality is happening with Shakiri. You can't bench Shakiri or you can't, you know take him out as early because he's their $10 million man. Yeah. And if 
if Ezra and the coaching staff have any, well, I don't know what's the proper way to put this, but I don't know how to like politely say this, but you know, if they knew better, sure, then they would. That's probably the politest way you can go about saying that. If they knew better, they would either bench the man or take him off as soon as possible. At least last night. Yeah. Yeah. He just didn't have it. And, like, it's okay to lay an egg every once in a while. It's going to happen. It's a long season. The problem is the margin for error for this team is so small that if a couple of players, especially your big important players, play that poorly, you're just not going to win games. It's just not going to happen. You don't have the tools on the field when Shakiri and Torres both play poorly. Like Fabian Herbers came in late and did Fabian Herbers things, but it felt like the game was a level ahead of him, if that makes any sense. Where he wasn't able to have an impact on the game like he would before. Um, and I think that, you know, and, and like I said, it was fait accompli by the time he came into the game anyway, right? Um you just have stinkers like that, but the problem is the fire can't really afford to have stinkers. Let's keep the angry train going, though, by talking about the second goal, which you alluded to earlier. I'm not stupid. That was a foul, right? Like, Razvan Shikos got stepped on, which is why he lost the ball. That was a foul. And the ref didn't call it. And they didn't go to VAR. To overturn it for some reason. That's that's horrible officiating. Pro refs. But I, I, I actually think the worst bit about it is that. Either they were too in shock or they didn't notice. But there was really no protest from the fire at all. And and I think that's the worst bit about it for me. Is that either they didn't have somebody who could get a look or, you know, or they were too in shock that the call wasn't made for them to do anything about it. It is, it is, I won't say unconscionable, but it is baffling to me why... 
Ezra Hendrickson or Frank Klopas especially wasn't giving Fotis the riot act on the on the touchline. Like nobody was screaming at the fourth official. Nobody was screaming at the the referee. I know you don't want to huddle the referee, but you got to let the referee know that he needs to talk to the video assistant official and, and do something about it. The fact that they were just kind of stunned and then let it and then played on. That was the most disappointing bit for me. Yeah. Especially, you know, the fight that they showed, you know, against the game in Charlotte and Philadelphia, they lost four to one, but they didn't lose their fighting spirit, but they just looked defeated from the first kick of the game. And like at that point it's one to nothing, you're still in it. The second half had literally just kicked off. Um and you you dealt with an uh, an attack pretty well and then <coughs> and then you just give it up for no reason. And that's upsetting to me. I don't know. They did just kind of give up. It felt like the wheels were starting to fall off. Um, I think they can bounce back against Montreal. We'll talk about their playoff prospects in a bit here. Um, but it, it just on the night, it looked like they decided pretty early that they were just going to try and endure the game and not... Uh, play with the energy or the will they needed to win or draw even when they gave up that early goal because there was nothing the 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 mentality was off it just felt very weird maybe that's playing in Bridgeview instead of Soldier Field that made everything weird but it did just kind of feel weird the entire night I don't know if you picked up on that um watching it on tape but live it felt very weird you know, I, I could see bits of it. I mean, it was an off day, but that's something that, especially when, well, now they're four points ahead, you know, or four points behind the playoff line, but that's something that you should not go into the game with that sort of mentality when especially your season. Um, these next few games, I mean, that's something that they need to work on. It's something they need to solve in the mm-hmm. next week because they got Montreal and th- who's in third place. And then it's T te- uh, then the rest of the way, basically uh, it's teams, you know, right around the playoff line there or thereabouts, right? You've got Columbus, Miami, Montreal again, Charlotte again, Cincinnati. And then you end the season with the revs. Um, two three four five six you got eight games left and you basically have to get maximum points i'd say you have to get maximum points in six of them maybe five of them to make the playoffs and that's like that's that's four wins and three draws over your next eight to make the playoffs 
you can you can lose you can afford to lose in, in my mind you can afford to lose one more game this year um and it might be the game at stud saputo uh so and you, you know with the, with this current squad i a few episodes ago, you know, I said if they made the playoffs, you know, that's expected of them. And, you know, I and I think I, I think I was I said that in a disappointing way because, you know, um in the first few episodes or so we when we you know when we made our predictions we'd we'd say they were a US Open Cup winner and, you know, at least a deep playoff run. And, you know, and how the season turned out. And, this team uh, should have finished third, RJ. Yeah, and like and if you look at if you look at if you look at the Eastern Conference and, and the way it sort of played out over this year, this team should have finished third. And, and and that's what I'm trying to get at. It's it's we shouldn't be pro- like praising them for you know for this fighting spirit that they have their lack of right now, but this fighting spirit they have in making the playoffs because that's something that everyone was expecting. We shouldn't be praising them for making the bare minimum. Feels like watching and covering the Bears. <laughs> like, no, I, I, I'm serious. Because, like, oh, no, no, no. If you, if you've paid attention to the Bears at all, and, and not just the Bears, but the coverage surrounding the Bears, and it's like everybody's praising them for playing like actual baseline competent football. Because of how bad it was under Matt Nagy. But, like, everybody recognizes we really shouldn't be this happy that they're the base, doing, like, the basic baseline things and, and playing soccer. Where I feel like, or football, and, and I feel like that's how we sort of get about the fire sometimes, is they've been so bad for so long that even the bare minimum is praiseworthy at some point uh, on some level you know what i mean yeah i feel like that's where we are with this ball club and and really we should be beyond it we should be expecting this level of performance we can we can obviously not this level against new york but i mean you know the the five game unbeaten streak obviously you're gonna lose a game or two here and there but you should expect that sort of quality from this team um, that we saw over the last, you know, five game stretch or whatever. Uh, but yeah, the fact of the matter is, it, it is. I think the Fire have enough talent to be third place in the East, and the fact that they are not third place in the East um, is a discredit to the organization and i think i i personally think they have underachieved this year um and i think that even if they go on a tear and win their next eight games which by the way is absolutely possible they can just win I think they're better than basically, like I said, they should finish third. They're better than every team they're facing. 
I think they're the hardest game they have on the schedule after Montreal is uh Columbus in Columbus. But other than that, it really should be GG easy the rest of the way. Um Miami might give them some trouble because they're they're running hot, but uh, no. that game's that game's no. a month from now and, and by then who the hell knows about Miami. I, I have a bigger disdain for Miami than New York for a lot of reasons. I mean that's fair, but I you have you have to at yeah. least admit that they're they're playing really well with this. Yes, they are. Time. They are. The players are playing very well. Not their yes. coach, but <laughs> Uh, you know, like, look, look, any Phil Neville slander, I will I'll take my opportunity. Like, New England in New England after the Montreal game on the 31st um, should be easy. The only thing is, like, that's, uh, I believe that's a Wednesday game. So it's, like, Montreal, New England, Columbus, and then it's just Saturdays the rest of the way. Um but yeah, I, I think that uh, they really should win most of these games and make the playoffs. Sh- like Charlotte at home, please. Um, but if they keep playing like that, they won't. And that is upsetting to me. Like this team should make the playoffs. Um... Is there anything else you wanted to bring up today? Any anything you noticed? Um, anything good that you saw? Was there really anything good, or should we just wipe this game from our memory and move on? Um, I don't think we should wipe this game from our memory. I think it's a good learning point for everyone. I mean, sure. Uh, but for anything good, um. The the pitch was awful, but it's it's better. It's pretty. I thought it was it looked pretty choppy on television. I want to say I, I want to question whether or not the Red Stars like playing on that long of grass. Because the grass looked really long. Um and I question that. Um Oh, we probably should talk about Carlos Tehran, right? Uh, he was playing really well until, what was it, the 75th minute where he sort of fell over and came up lame and had to be taken off. Um, which sucks because now we're back in this place where the fire... They don't have a central midfielder with Gaston Jimenez, and they don't have a center back, any like center backs with MLS experience. What are they going to do if Tehran can't go? Start playing the kids. That's the only thing you can do. Do you want to play like Burks? Do you want to play Burks? Do you play Jonathan Bornstein at center back alongside Shehos? Like, do you go to the back three like they did at the end of the game? Which didn't work, by the way. I I, I wanted to point that out. I think I I tweeted that to the account. But um, 
that, it, that back that back three was pretty interesting, but it just didn't work with the current crop of players they have. Anyway, regardless, uh, besides that, I mean, I you can definitely do Bornstein, but I think he should be a sub or at least play out wide. But honestly, I think you should just play the kids at this point. I mean, maybe, but you're still in a situation where. Like I said, every game in front of you is winnable. Is that the best way to win games? Is my question. I think I've I've watched a few Fire Two games here and there, and a lot of them are you know hungry. They're they're driven. Um, I think this squad just needs that boost and like you know that that mentality. And um, you know what's maybe. what's. What's honestly like, yes, the, the Fire are four points away from the playoff line. Are they going to make the playoff line? Now, we, we have to be realistic at this point. I mean. Well, we, if they do what they're supposed to do and win these games against teams that are um, less talented than they are, in large part, have have you know, worst players. Montreal, by the way, is probably losing Jordi Mihaljevic before the game this week. He wasn't yeah, on the he wasn't in the squad. He's probably off to uh, Holland. He'll come back on loan, though. I don't think so. I think Georgie is once Georgie Georgie's there, he's there. I don't think so. I think he. Uh, I think he's going to be playing in Europe as soon as I think he'll be. Put it this way, he will be in Azed's squad. Azed Alkmar's squad. I, I honestly think he he goes there and he's immediately inserted into the starting eleven for them. So I I think you know, Montreal is losing Mihalovic. Um, the only game that, like I said, the only game that really scares me when I'm looking at this schedule is at Columbus on. Uh, September 3rd. So, like, I don't know. Well, I mean, I mean, the, the way I look at it, I mean, inject that youthfulness in the back. Start dropping, you know, the Shakiri and start dropping Torres. Let's put Gutierrez back in. Let's put that, let's put that energy back in that squad. And then just mm-hmm. go on from there, you know. If they make that run, they make that run. If they don't, they don't. But at least a lot of these players will, you know, get some experience that, you know, they can't get at MLS 2 or MLS Next Pro or whatever they decide to call it next week. That's fair. Um, it's it's like, I'm, I'm not... It, it sounds like I've given up. Well, I, I mean, kind of, but... Um, it, it does sound like you've given up. <laughs> at this point... What's the worst you can lose? I mean, if they make it, they make it. And especially if they make it with these kids, that shows that, you know, the Fire have a great development team. They could be the next FC Dallas. And I think that shows way, that that shows, that's actually way much better than making a playoff, you know, spot with the likes of Shakiri and Torres. Sure. I understand that point. I'm just trying um, to be. I'm just trying to be. You know, 
Sure. It, 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 look, 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 last night, Sunday was demoralizing. And I get that. Trust. Um, but on the other hand, it could just be a bump in the road, right? It could just be a, a, a um, like a, a fall down and you, you quickly you get back up and you have scraped knees or whatever. But the thing is, it's like with some of these players and, you know, I, I hate bringing him up again, like time after time, he's, he's becoming the next Calvo, but Shakiri, it's, it's not a bump in a road for him. There's, he's obviously disinterested. Yes, he has his moments. But for the most part, he seems disinterested. And I'm not comparing him to Sean Maloney, but but I am right now. So I, one of the things I suspect is I think he thought this Frank, like, would be like would be easy cakewalk, yeah. Um, but it it's got you know it's slower, but it's got the physicality of of England, and it's got the. Um, specifically, it's a lot like championship football, just maybe at a little slower tempo. Uh, but talent wise, there's a lot of really good players in this league. And I think he thought that it would be easy because it's a bunch of guys he's never heard of or whatever. Um, but you know, yeah, there are times where he disappears. And you can't have your big-time designated player disappearing. And I, uh, you're right. That's a problem. Speak, um, we didn't talk about Shabilko. And I didn't really... I wasn't really going to until you brought up the youth movement that you would like to see, especially at the back. But I don't think he could have done anything about yesterday. And and frankly, I actually thought he played pretty well. Um, he didn't, you know, he, he didn't move laterally much. He sort of stayed in the middle, and that's sort of what I want from him. And, like, it wasn't his fault he got no service and into the ball. And, and when he did... He made a really nice play on the Fires, like, one good goal-scoring opportunity uh, from the run of play. And, like, he probably scores if he doesn't get headbutted and starts to bleed all over the place uh, on, on that, that free kick. Which, by the way, you know, they kept replaying it. Every time they replayed it, I keep thinking that that should have been a penalty. Because for, for, you know, violence, you know what I mean? So, like, I, I actually thought Shabilko played pretty well, and, and I probably wouldn't start to run over him against Montreal. I think it's game to game whether or not he keeps that starting job, which is really how it should be. Well, um, I mean, yeah, he did well, and like I said earlier, I mean, NYC, FC's midfield and back was just hard to beat that night. Yeah, that's true. But I, so. I, I thought I would mention it because we complain a lot about him. But like, he no, was he's, he, he's, he did he's, yeah. he did well 
yesterday, and I think we should note that because we know he's, on his, redemption. he's on his redemption arc. Yeah, it's that, it's that point in our in the plot right now where he's at. That's fair. Redemption arc. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, I actually don't have a segue. We're just gonna end the show. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at the Hotcast. I am at Ruben Tish. He is at RGA underscore zero two. Next week, we will uh, hopefully talk about a win in Montreal and get you set for the game against the New England Revolution that week. It is... uh, uh, We're down the stretch. Final eight games. We'll uh, see you later. Bye, everybody.